This is Jared Davis with the Davis Group at Remax, and on this week's podcast, we will be talking about Temple, the restaurant downtown. We will be doing a neighborhood rundown, what's hot, what's not. We'll be answering some first-time buyer and seller questions, and we will jump into Real Estate 360 on how you can become a flipper. Let's roll it. You're listening to RVA Real Estate Talk with Jared Davis and Galen Parker, your source for an honest, insightful look into Central Virginia's real estate market. Combined, Jared and Galen have over 20 years of experience in real estate, as well as hundreds of testimonials from clients past and present who rely on them for advice and assistance buying and selling a home in today's incredibly hot and competitive housing market. And now your hosts, Jared Davis and Galen Parker. I'm Jared Davis. And I'm Galen Parker. And this is RVA Real Estate Talk, podcast 2.0. We've got a new host. If you have listened to some of our podcasts before, maybe you heard uh, Chris Elliott and me going back and forth. But since then, some things have changed, and I've brought someone new onto the team, and I'm here to introduce him today. This is Galen Parker. He's the newest addition to the Davis Group at Remax Action. How are you, Galen? I am doing great. I'm really excited to be here. I love talking, period. I love you, period, and I love the real estate market, especially in Central Virginia. I'm a big uh, advocate of Richmond. A lot of people have known me for the live, love, learn RVA, so happy to be a part of the team here and happy to be on the podcast. Yeah, if you're not following him on social media yet, you should do so. He is killing it. He's got raccoon problems on a daily basis that are hilarious to watch. Raccoon watch 2019, <laughs> hashtag, you guys know it. That's right, his own house, his client houses, but yeah, Galen's been with us for about two months now, full time. Uh, I think he's put over a million dollars under contract since then, so he's just been killing it with us so far. Um, so we'll get into a little bit about what we're going to do. We're going to try to structure this a little bit differently than we were before. I uh, have some main topics. So uh, essentially what we're going to be jumping into, we're going to be popping into some Davis Group Eats. Since we are on the team together, we're out and about all the time. People like to know, what can I eat in Richmond? We are in a foodie city. So each podcast will be talking about one of the latest places that we've gone out to eat, what we think of it, uh, what to get, drinks, food, just overall reviews. Yum. We'll be trying to do some neighborhood rundown, just kind of talk about the market in general, maybe not be as number and stat heavy, but just talk about kind of what's going on, where is it hot, where is it not. And then we will always jump into our Real Estate 360, our deep dive, our main topic of the week. Uh, essentially, that's going to vary depending on what we're going to talk about. Today, we're going to jump a little bit into the um, investor side of things, the flip side of things. We get a lot of people that are asking us, uh, we see you flipping houses, we see what you're doing, we see you flipping for your investors. How do I get into this? How much money do I need? How do I find my contractors? How do I do my numbers? So that's going to be our Real Estate 360 for today. Uh, and then hopefully at some point we're going to be getting some live questions from you guys, some call-ins, uh, questions off of our Facebook. You can write in, you can email us. We'll be answering anything that we can coming up. But uh, today we're actually going to answer a few questions as far as uh, what a lot of our first-time buyers have. So. Uh, Galen, I'm going to let you jump right into the Davis Group Eats. Davis Group Eats. I love this section. You know, for a lot of real estate agents, we are super familiar with uh, crushing burritos in our car. Uh, because we're always on the road, hashtag real estate road warriors. Story of our life. Uh, uh, yeah, you, you've got to do that. But sometimes it is super nice where we can actually go to a nice restaurant and kind of enjoy uh, a meal. And so uh, I think it was like three weeks ago, mm -hmm. we chose Temple 
uh, there on Broad Street, and it is Laotian cuisine. And if uh, if you're like me, you probably had no idea what exactly uh, that meant, but it was a true uh, surprise. So I think both of us, we both got what the uh, the mm. duck soup, the is duck it? leg soup. Uh, that I've, is my favorite thing there. I've got to pull it up now. It's actually the Gui Tu Pet, and I'm 99% sure I did not pronounce pronounce that correctly. Uh, so if you know the correct pronunciation, feel free to DM either Jared or myself uh, so that we can have a uh, proper pronunciation of it. But basically, it's a roasted leg of duck cooked in bone broth with rice noodles, uh, Thai celery, Chinese broccoli, bean sprouts, cilantro, garlic oil, and even that description alone does not do it just as to exactly what happens to your mouth, what happens to your palate uh, when you take that first uh, bite. You know, I can kind of feel like it just went, um, it it was just kind of super flavorful. Um, It was rich. I felt like there was kind of like spices involved, the garlic. Jared, what what did you think of it? Man, it is just savory. I think savory is probably the best word I can think of for it. I mean, it comes with a little bit of this vinegar-based hot sauce, I believe, that they make oh, yeah, that you can kind right. of pour in there with it if you like it a little bit of spicy, but incredible. Their cocktails are incredible. It's got a good vibe. Uh, if you like Thai food, this is more of a uh, soups and then smaller plates uh, street food. But overall, if you're familiar with, say, Sabai, they're actually next door, same owner. Uh, Yaya's Cookbook on the West End. Great choice. My Noodle Bar. So if you're familiar with any of these, this is another spinoff restaurant of theirs. So it's located right on Broad near Boulevard and Broad, right next door to Sabai. Pretty easy for parking. They actually do have some some parking uh, in between the two buildings. And again, yeah, if you like Thai food, if you like good soups, it's incredible. You've got to try it out. I, I kind of feel like for a lot of people, the idea of trying a new restaurant is... You know, people don't like change. And even when I went in there, I was like, man, I do not know how I'm going to like this. Uh, If you're like that, if you're one of those people, this is a great restaurant, which you can just say, listen, what's good here? What are other people ordering? And let your waiter or your waitress kind of give you some insights and you will not be disappointed. I definitely uh, was not. uh, One of the things that I loved about the duck, it was just it was so crispy on the outside and so flavorful. And to me, that is something that is so important. It kind of you know, you felt like you were transcended to another you know, country <laughs> when you went there. You know, I opened it up. I was like, oh, my goodness, because, you know, I'm I'm a regular guy. I would get a taco or a slice of pizza or a cheeseburger, but I'm glad I chose uh, to do something a little bit different. We also got, uh, I think we got calamari. Mm-hmm. For but it was appetite. wrapped in pork, oh, goodness. I believe. Yeah. So good. It was. You know, because I get calamari pretty much everywhere uh, I go. So that was kind of nice. But when I got the calamari there, having the sausage in it, it was, oh, man. I recommend definitely go for that. Uh, you will not be disappointed. Then we both got the same drink, which I don't remember the name of the drink that we got. Oh, man, I'm at a loss on that one. It was smoky, I believe. <laughs> it had a big ice cube. Their, their, their bartenders are good. Again, if you've been to any of their restaurants, they put a, quite a weight on their cocktails. Uh, so super good cocktail menu, super unique. And we went in the, we went, I feel like we went during like the perfect time. It was like in the middle of the day. It was like a Thursday at like 1.30 in the afternoon. So uh, that really was a pleasant because it was kind of leisurely in the afternoon. Uh, the waiter was very patient. He had such a large knowledge base as far as like drinks and foods. And so uh, that really made the whole experience. Uh, you know, one of the employees at the Davis Group, Kat, she just started working as Jared's personal assistant. She always says dining should be an experience. And it truly was. Uh, it was something that... Uh, 
uh, I will definitely remember for quite some time, definitely going back. Uh, I tried to, as many people know, I tried to every Monday feature a different restaurant, different local fare. Um, so it's cheating if I go back double dip, uh, but I'm definitely going to a, a temple another time. Maybe I won't feature it, but I'm definitely going to spend a lot of time there eating there. I think we might have got the temple sour. I think we might have got, we got that and it was, it was something super good. So at the end of the day, what I would say is there's probably nothing else like it in Richmond. Absolutely. I think that's the big thing. Perfect there's summation. plenty of Thai restaurants. But this is different. This and they're all great. And they are. They are. <laughs> I mean, and their other restaurants are great, too. And there's plenty I like. But this is going to be different. It's going to be a uh, smaller plate menu. You can try lots of different plates at one time. It's almost like a street food Thai-style tapas restaurant Ooh, with I a like lot that. of soups to choose from as well. So, yeah, definitely try it out. Temple on, on Broad Street. Very nice. Now we are going to move into our neighborhood rundown. Running it. Essentially, this is just what's hot, what's not in the local market right now. This is going to change depending on the week. We may start doing some actual neighborhoods or some areas of town. Uh, today, I think we're just going to talk about the market in general. Um, what's hot, what's not. In all honesty, I would say there's almost nothing that's not hot right this second. <laughs> that's pretty accurate. If you talk to any realtor right now, if you are on the listing side, you are a happy camper because everything that you are listing is selling. And if you're on the buy side, most likely you are frustrated because you are competing <laughs> with a lot of offers and losing a lot of offers. This is a multi-offer scenario that we always talk about. It is. We, we have not... I don't think we've had hardly anything sit on market more than about three or four days this year thus far no. before going under contract. And it's very rare that anything has sold under ask. It seems like everything is almost ask or above it. So as of now, I think almost everything we have is is pending already. I think we've got nine listings under contract that are pending. And I think we've got about 10 or 11 buyers that are under contract pending right Absolutely. this second. Uh, we got one in Smoke Tree uh, that's going up right now. By the time this podcast goes live, it will probably also be pending, I imagine. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, what we've what I've really seen as far as what's hot, anything under 250000 200000 it has been just a feeding frenzy for people. Yeah, if you're in that neighborhood of 250k, I think, you know, it's really going quick. Now, some of that's the market, uh, some of that is just the Davis group and kind of what we've done as far as marketing, helping our clients and so we're seeing um, perhaps maybe a little bit above average of what, you know, the market's showing as far as that, but I would agree with you that it's it's running really quick. And if anything, what I would say just to prepare people, if you're going to buy a house right this second, be prepared to either do some kind of escalation clause to probably bid up the offer or just come in strong from the beginning. Uh, kind of those days of people saying, I want a deal. I want to get some some money off the price of the house. I want to also get my closing costs covered. Uh, those days are, are, are not right now. <laughs> as, as we move into the winter months, maybe it will slow down enough where that could become a reality. But as of now, I mean, I'll give you an example. I have somebody that's written, I think, four offers now, and they've lost every one. And our last one was twenty thousand over the ask oh. price. Uh, and we're talking a home that's in the hundred and sixty thousand dollar territory. So, you know, twenty thousand over on a half a million dollar home, a seven hundred thousand dollar home doesn't seem like too much. But when you're talking one hundred and fifty to one hundred eighty thousand dollar home, and you're bidding twenty thousand over, uh, that's a big margin for most people. So. Um, that's what can be expected sub 200 and even two to 300 it's been flying. And in all honesty, I mean, I, we just listed one at 
four hundred the other day over in yeah. Woodland Pond. Uh, older home, but you know, very nice. Everything was fixed up in it. But you know, typically Woodland Pond is one of those neighborhoods that will sit for a bit. And we had two offers within the first two or three days, and we sold that one for over contract as well. So, again, almost everything we've got is just flying off the shelves. Yeah. So, so what that means for you, if you are a buyer and you're trying, you're looking, uh, you're considering purchasing a home. Uh, one of the first things we always tell people to do is make sure that you've already talked or spoken with maybe a mortgage lender or someone like that. Uh, allow them to be prepared. Uh, allow them, you know, kind of be prepared for uh, what's going to happen because you want to be as quick as possible. You want to make sure that you've got your finances in order because, as Jared mentioned, things are going so quick and you don't want to have to say, well, wait, let me make sure that I've spoken. I want to make sure I have my you know, pre-qualification letter and things like that. And and if you don't, you know, have someone in mind that you would use for your mortgage lender, feel free to reach out uh, to us. We work with an awesome team of different companies that can kind of help you navigate some of the some of the decisions. And, and perhaps maybe this is just not the right time for you. Uh, to purchase them. Well, they can kind of help you and put you in a place to say, well, what do I need to do regarding my credit, regarding my finances so that I can be better prepared for the time that comes in which I really want to make a home purchase? Yeah. And on the flip side, if you're going to be selling a home right now, just know almost everything's selling very fast. So we want to definitely make a game plan on where you're going. Are you buying somewhere after? Do we need to try to line that up and start getting prepared? Um, But that also does not mean that you shouldn't have your house buttoned up and ready to go. A lot of times people say with the market the way it is, we can put it up and we can fix things later. We don't really have to worry about this or that. But, I mean, I've got one that we just put up on Thursday, and I had 33 showing requests within 48 hours. Um, And even though we had multiple offers on it, I also had a lot of people send me things back like, why wasn't the front door painted? You know, why wasn't this done? Why wasn't that done right? So at the end of the day, buyers are paying a premium for their house, and because of that, they want what they're what they want if they're going to buy a premium they want to feel like they're getting that premium price so uh definitely want to talk about you know staging when we come out if it's necessary we want to talk about paint colors carpet you know anything that we can do to kind of spruce things up to make it fly off the shelf for top dollar that's still what we want to do even in the seller's market that we're in so if you're looking to buy if you're looking to sell feel free to reach out to either one of us uh, our info will be on the podcast links, obviously, and we'll bring it out at the end of the podcast as well. You can reach us at social media. Um, but that's about it for the neighborhood rundown. If there's a neighborhood specifically you want to hear about, uh, the city is very hot right now. So uh, if you have any recommendations, Churchill, Manchester, uh, Oregon Hill, Northside, what's going on with them, shoot your recommendations and we'll try to cover them sooner rather than later. Uh, at this point, I think we're going to go into some questions, right, Caitlin? Yes. So one of the things that I always like to uh, address with uh, buyers is, and we'll call this section, we'll work through it, questions asked, questions answered, because I hear a lot of times uh, people say, well, I'm sorry, uh, this might be a dumb question, but, or they say, oh, I hate to ask this. And I always remind them, I say, listen, this is the most important purchase you're probably going to ever make. This is the largest investment, financial investment that you're going to make. So there's there's not really a dumb question. You there, There's a lot of questions and you deserve to know the answer to them. So, you know, perhaps if you're working with someone and they make you feel that it's a dumb question, then I would just encourage you to just, you know, kind of you know, speak with them. Maybe maybe they're not aligned with what you want to do. But let's look at some questions. One of the questions, and Jared, I'm going to be uh, 
John P. Homeowner or a future homeowner, and you're my real estate professional. Right. Uh, there's just there are a couple questions here, and you have not seen this question. I have no idea what you're what you're throwing at me. I'm sure they're simple, but let's let's. They are not simple. Okay, I, mean, well, I chose the most complex. I well, could we'll see through. what we can do. But I thought it was nice. I refused to show them to Jared just because I wanted to get his genuine, his natural response. So the first one is: What are some costs that I should expect to pay even before closing? Gotcha. That's a that's a that's a that's a good one. Uh, so the first thing you're going to end up paying is going to be your deposit check. Most of the time, it's about a thousand bucks when you ratify a contract if you're a buyer that you have to put down. That will go towards your closing costs and down payment at closing, but you do need to come out of pocket with it within the first couple of days. Uh, after that, you're going to have your appraisal costs that will get charged to you prior to closing. Typically, it's around five hundred dollars. The bank will charge you that within about ten to fourteen days. Um, you also have the home inspection. You're going to spend about three hundred and fifty bucks to four hundred bucks on the home inspection on average. Uh, any other inspections you want to add on to that, like radon or chimney, uh, obviously those can be factored in as well. Um, and I think that's about it as far as the upfronts. Uh, you will end up having all of your closing costs later, which depending on, I don't know what your questions are, that may come up. If it doesn't, then that will definitely be on later shows as well as far as what those closing costs break down. But that's most of your upfront costs. So you can expect about $2,000 roughly nice. yeah. upfront within the first two weeks before you get to the actual closing date where the rest of the bolt comes out. And that, that's good to know for a lot of buyers because sometimes they think, well, I'm a first-time home buyer. There's a lot of grant programs or things like that. So they're not expecting to purchase or have money coming out of their pocket. But that's good to know. We, we just talked about between $1,800 and $2,000 of something they can expect to pay. So very nice. And you mentioned radon, and maybe that's a bonus question we'll talk about a little bit later. But so the next question is, you know, if I'm a seller, what, what can I expect uh, to be asked by a buyer to fix possibly? Okay. Well, the biggest things that come up on home inspections that can be deal breakers are major problems with HVAC units, furnaces, you know, boilers, uh, roof problems, and mold, uh, moisture. Those are the, the biggest things. So yeah. a lot of times in, in Virginia where it's a humid place, it's a wet place. So, you know, you're going to have mold in the crawl space a lot of times, even if it's just a little bit. Most of the time people want that treated. If there's sitting water, if there's fallen insulation, if there's wet insulation, the crawl space, there's typically going to be some some stuff getting done. Very nice. Um, roof, if it's brand new, you don't typically have any big, big issues. But a lot of times if it's over 10 or 15 years old, you start getting some nail pops. Maybe you get some flashing that was done incorrectly. Um, so a lot of times the pipe boots start to, to leak a little bit on the top of the roof. Maybe not enough where it's coming through the walls, but enough where the inspector will notice it. Um, some preventative stuff that needs to get done. Uh, so the smaller things, a lot of things in the electrical box uh, that really aren't that big of a deal on a, on a major front. You know, it's not, you know, life-threatening, but yeah. uh, most of the time electricians get in there at some point and maybe they do something wrong or do something that's not up to code. So that stuff will come up. Uh, leaks, leaky faucets, leaky pipes, um, loose toilets, things like that. Those are going to be your biggest broken window seals. Sometimes uh, we'll see that the... The seals have broken in the windows, and once that argon gas uh, escapes, essentially you start getting condensation in between the window panes. That is technically a defect, uh, but essentially what you should be being asked for is defects, not cosmetics, not I don't like the paint, not the carpet's old. Uh, it's actual defects. Not and, and also, if it was under code when it was done, Typically, that does not constitute a defect either. So if you have an older house that just doesn't have GFCIs in the kitchen, yeah. it's, it's kind of grandfathered in. So... Uh, yeah, that's about a nutshell. That's a good one. That's important because a lot of people get confused as far as what's a defect. So they say, you know, well, Jerry, the, the, the kitchen is orange, but I want it to be gray. That's a cosmetic thing, right? So, exactly. you know, that's not exactly something that you can. So as far as uh, what are some things that buyers should look for to ask for expect? We talked about defects, but, you know, 
kind of help us understand what's a defect by the eyes of the the contract well so so a defect per the contract like we said nothing cosmetic old age does not constitute a defect so sometimes people will see oh well this water heater is 15 years old and you know they say they expect them to last eight to ten years so we want it replaced or same thing with hvac units appliances if it is working properly at the time of inspection, it is not defective. Gotcha. If it was under code at the time, um, then it is not defective. So essentially what you're looking for is actual defect. So rot, um, you know, maybe peeling paint on the outside, something that's actually broken and needs to be repaired or something that's not running properly. Uh, it could also fall into uh, a safety hazard. Uh, some stuff that's a safety hazard is more of a recommended upgrade, and that could be a whole other conversation for a different day. But some of your safety defects do fall under the fact that it's bad enough where this does need to be addressed. So we're looking for actual material defects, not cosmetics, not things that were up to code. We're not trying to bring the house up to code if it was built in 1908, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's that's essentially what we're looking at. And that can be a fine line when you're negotiating with buyers and sellers on what they think a defect is. Uh, thankfully, the contract is pretty clear. So yeah. as long as everybody looks at the contract, it, it does spell it out pretty pretty clearly for it, both parties. Yeah, so it's nice to sit down with your agent. You guys can both go over. He should be able to kind of give you some advice as far as what to actually like look for and what to be concerned about. So our last question is, and this is something that all agents hear a lot because a lot of buyers say, well, Jared, the county assessment says that my house is worth this. Why should I list it for this? Why should I pay for this? What, what can you, what insight can you give us there? Oh gosh, my insight is that county assessments are pretty much worthless on pricing a house <laughs> just second behind Zillow values. That's Zillow. I knew that was coming. Yeah, Zestimates and Zesty assessments. Estimates. If we could just not listen to either of those, our lives as realtors would be a, a million times easier. Yeah, I mean the assessment is is literally just a value they use to tax you on your property. That's all it right. is. So it is a basis average of what's in a neighborhood based on the size they've never been in your house they've never seen your house i mean other than the occasional person that may drive by and take an exterior picture rare no one knows what the finishings are no one knows what's been done and so it is just an average um i'll give you an example i did one a couple years ago that the assessment was three hundred and forty-five thousand, and okay. we sold it for 610 gosh so that was a, almost a three hundred thousand dollar swing so again don't look at that for a value model. Um, every county is going to be different. Every neighborhood is going to be different. Some people say, well, you know, most of the time the value is higher than the, the assessment is, but that's not also always the case either. There's plenty of places where we're selling houses for under what the assessment value is. So uh, everything is case by case. Same thing with estimates. Don't look at his estimate and price your house online before you talk to us. Is one of those things where even Zillow that says they're a four out of four star market, they're ten percent off in their best markets on up or down. So and that's a lot. Ten percent is huge. Yeah, up to. So if if it says it's worth four hundred, it could be worth three sixty, it could be worth four forty. That's essentially what Zillow's telling you. So <laughs> that's a pretty large swing. That's a very large swing when you're trying to get top dollar for your house or when you're trying not to overprice your house. Yeah. So uh yeah. That is very nice. And so now we will move on to our Real Estate 360. So Real Estate 360, this is our, our essentially our, our main topic of the day. And so, you know, as we as we get close on time, I think we got probably about 10 minutes left. 
Uh, so we'll wrap out with this. We have so many people that are asking us these days, especially with the market as hot as it is, with, with houses selling within seconds, how do I get into flipping? How do I get into investing? They see us doing it. You know, We also flip houses here. We have a separate entity that does that. We've done about five this year so far, but we also have about six or seven different investors that we've we help them buy, we help them sell, we coordinate everything for them. So people see it's being done, they follow our social media, they follow our sales, they love the houses, and they say, how do I get into this? So I guess what we'll do, we'll just try to take a deep dive in real quick and talk about some of the things to keep in mind. First and foremost is the money factor. That, that really is, is the, biggest, the biggest thing. Is uh, You probably hear on the, on the radio all the time these seminars and classes Come learn how to flip houses with no money. You don't need any cash to do it. You know, no equity. Essentially, use other investors for your money. As, as great as all of those advertisements sound, <laughs> at the end of the day, you've got to figure out a feasible way to get money. And if you've never flipped a house before... Money's important. It's, it's hard to go yank some, some, some maybe even hard money, which we'll talk about in a second, if you don't know what you're doing, because it can catch up with you very quickly. So the first thing you have to ask yourself is, am I paying cash for these? If I'm not paying cash, am I having to pay cash for at least the renovations? Uh, am I financing it through just a normal bank, conventional financing of some type? Uh, or am I doing some kind of hard money, which is a non-traditional uh, financial institution? So those are the first three things that you've got to look at. Uh, and you got to start figuring that out. If you're cash, then obviously you've got to have the cash. If you want a $250,000, $300,000 house that's, that's flipped, I mean, you got to run your numbers. You may need $150,000, $200,000 cash to put into it. Um, so you got to ask yourself, can you put that much cash out? Do you have that much cash? Um, and how long can you <laughs> be with not having that cash if it sits on the market for a while or if it takes you longer than you thought to get it flipped? Then you got to start looking at financing. If you pull hard money, what are the terms? What are the down payments? Do I need 20% down, 30 no money down? Are they going to pay for the renovations or am I paying for the renovations? Um, depending on what you do, you may do conventional financing, but still need 20% down on, let's just say you buy a hundred thousand dollar house. That's 20 grand and it needs 50,000. That's $70,000. You're coming out of pocket on this house. That's you're in for 150. So, so let me, let me stop you right yep. there, Jared. You're on a, you're on a great run, but I, I, am John Q public. I don't understand everything. Now there, there's a, an expression that we hear all the time, every day, hard money. What explain to our listeners, what exactly is hard money? What does that mean? Why is it called that? So it's essentially money that's given to you by someone that's not a bank. Okay. So it's not going to have the standard bank guidelines on it. Uh, getting approved for it may be easier. They're not going to comb through as much as, say, a bank underwriter is going to do. A lot of times, they're not even going to appraise the property. They're not going to inspect the property. But every hard money lender is different. But these are groups of investors that are going to loan you that money and put a lien on a house just like they would with a mortgage if you went to a normal bank. Uh, but you're going to typically pay a much higher interest rate. So instead of a normal loan at 4% a year, you may pay a couple points at closing, a couple percentage points of the value that you're loaning out, and then you may be paying something like 12% a year in interest. Okay. So if you're in and out of a house within 90 days to 120 days, it's feasible. You pay your fees, but as long as the profit margins are there, it can work out great. But if you've never done this before, you're trying to do the work yourself, and now you've been holding this house for a year, year and a half, those fees are going to start becoming outrageously large. So. so 
with that timetable that you just kind of mentioned, you know, for you on average, you know, I know it's every situation is different from the time in which you find a house. All right, you found a house, you love it to the time in which you close on it after you've bought it, you've done all type of renovations, upgrades, and now you're selling and you're closed. How, how many, how many months? How, what would you say? So what's I, your goal? I would say your, your goal is typically about 90 days from okay. the time you buy the house to having it sold again. But that is very dependent on the extent of work you're doing. Uh, is it is it extensive to the point where you're pulling a lot of permits? If you are, then now you're dealing with the city and the inspectors and everything else. So that gotcha. can delay things, obviously. Um, how long is it going to sit on the market? Uh, all of these things. Is it financing when they buy the house, right? But uh, your best case, like we've got one that's closing next week. Uh, we purchased it, and within 60 days, we had completely renovated it, remodeled it, put it back on market, and had it under contract. But now you've got obviously where is that? That was the one over on Thorndale. Oh, uh, beautiful. Yep, right off of Forest Hill and Jank. So that was good. But then again, once it goes under contract, they still have to close. So you think you got about a thirty-day closing at at the least if there's financing. So that one's ninety days, and that's like a best case scenario. Okay. So uh, we've got a condo right now that we bought, and we will literally turn it over within about two to three weeks uh, because it was just minor. We just needed paint and some flooring. Uh, not not really a big deal. Um, but some of our bigger ones, we've got one down in Carytown area right the second, but that one needed a full architect. We're blowing the back of the house out. We're rebuilding the back of the house. We're knocking walls out, okay. um, adding bathrooms. So that, that could be a six to seven month job. So there's levels to this, right? There are definitely levels and you got to figure out where do you want to be in that process? Do you want a gut job or do you want what some people may refer to as a lipstick flip where you come in and you just need some Ooh, paint, classy. need some paint, need some, some new floors, need some little, you know, cosmetics here and there. Every, everybody likes to do it differently, I guess. Cause there could be, as you mentioned before, there could be flipping horror stories, you know, where things go a little bit. Obviously you've probably never expect, experienced a flipping horror story. I, I haven't, <laughs> but what I will say is that there's always unexpected costs. Absolutely. So that's another thing with the flipping is you got to run your numbers. You've got to make sure your numbers are good. And a lot of times people start putting numbers together and say, oh, wow, I can make you know 10 grand off of this. Well, that 10 grand can get eaten away real quick if you find out that you've got some foundation issues or some HVAC issues and you need a new system. So you really don't sell as quickly as you thought it would be. It doesn't sell as quickly and your hard money is costing you two or three grand a month. You never know. Again, so uh, all of these are factors. So you got to make sure your margins are where you want them to be or you can start getting in trouble. But I mean, like Galen right now, you've got one that's under contract that was a flip for a buyer of ours and Ooh, that's and what's one. happening the house is what sitting on another lot yep <laughs> that is not owned by the house that yeah. is that's sitting there it looks like a, a foreclosure issue they foreclosed on the lot but forgot to foreclose on the other parcel that was a part of that house yeah and a lot of unknowns can arise kind of when you do the your survey and things like that so the due diligence for sure so it sounds like, you know, if you're interested in getting involved in flipping, it seems like it's important that you kind of partner yourself with someone who has, what, extensive knowledge of the market? Yeah, I mean, well, it comes down to everything. I mean, you've got to figure out who are my contractors going to be. Am I going to be my own contractor? Well, if so, I mean, you've still got to yank your permits the way you need to, and they've got to inspect it, so you got to make sure you're doing work right. I mean, you can find yourself in a whole heap of legal issues if you're you're not doing the work correctly. So you want to make sure that you've got, you know, everybody on the up and up that's going to do good work for you. Um, finishings, a lot of it's even just get an idea what stuff is going to cost. So um, if you don't know what it's going to cost to put a roof on or put a kitchen in or put floors in, you need to make sure that your contractor or somebody can look at that house before you close on it because those costs could add up. Give me an idea. Hugely. I mean, and the more you do it, the easier it gets. But all of these things are factors. So 
I mean, you got it. You want to have a good realtor because that realtor is going to be able to tell you this is how much you should buy this house for and this is how much it should, should sell for. That's a good point. Yeah. So, I mean, that's like step one. You know, obviously we're realtors. So when we're flipping our own, we know what we're doing. But <laughs> most investors aren't on that side. So yeah. you need the good realtor. So I know that's a plug for us, but you need us, right, to be able to find the flips for you. Or even if you find them, say, hey, is this a good flip? Yeah. But then you've got to have the connections with the contractors, whether you're doing it yourself, whether you've got the subs, whether you're subbing it out to different people. You need to know who can I call for a roof? Who can I call for this? Now, again, that's something that we can help for too. We have yeah. all those connections, but you want to make sure you have them too because even what I've seen, I've even seen people buy houses and I'm guilty of this when I was first starting on this is even just getting quotes. You think, well, we want to be done with this in 60 days, but by the time you get three, four, five contractors out there to quote everything, yeah. you're 40 days in because trying to just get that many contractors out can be schedule. A, a nightmare. Yeah, I mean, there it's just that's just what it is with contractors a lot of times. So to find the reliable people you need, you know, that takes time as well. So there's a lot of moving, moving parts. Yeah, because having, having market knowledge is probably super important because, you know, you look at this house, you buy it for 145000 you think, oh, man, what are all these awesome things I'm going to do with this kitchen? But, you know, if if the nicest and biggest house in that neighborhood is selling for 160000 well, now you've put out, you're, you've kind of boxed yourself in. So if you can talk to, you know, a realtor, they'll be able to kind of give you an idea. Well, and that's a good point because even the people that, that you know, I flip with, you know, I mean, a lot of times we'll send one or I'll, I'll do the same thing. I'll send, hey, this may be good. And when you start breaking down the numbers, it, it really does add up quick. You think, well, I know that this house is 150, but I think we can sell it for 210. But then when you really try to get an idea of, oh, well, this thing may need $40,000. Well, now we're at 190. Mm -hmm. Oh, and then we got to pay a realtor to sell it. You know, there's still a buy side. So even if we save on the sell side, either way, you're looking at three to 6% on, on commissions. And then you got holding costs. If you financed it at all, now you're sitting on holding costs. You're sitting on utility costs. the commission might be. Yeah. And then you've got obviously, uh, 10% probably over on margin on whatever you thought your budget was going to be as far as repairs go too. So all these things are factors, but again, that's kind of why we're here. So, uh, if you are interested in getting into flipping, if you're looking at saying, how do I get an even buy and holds? We, we sell a lot of buy and holds for people that want either multifamily houses or single family houses. We we're happy to sit down with you and just try to get you started, get you on the right track because it is not like it is on HGTV. Everybody watches HGTV and says, I'm ready to go out and be a flipper. The blessing and the curse. <laughs> yeah, everybody does that. Same thing with home buyers, right? They watch HGTV and then they come out to you and they tell you, I, I walk dogs for a living and my husband sharpens pencils and we've got a million dollar budget, but we want a city view and we want to be on the beach at the same time. I saw it on HGTV. It looks possible, right? right. So everything's a pipe dream when you look at it on TV and in real life, it's not as glamorous. You have issues, you have things that you're trying to overcome every day. You've got issues with permits. You've got issues with contractors. You've got issues with timelines. So, uh, it can be very lucrative. It can be a, an enjoyable Absolutely. Uh, business Absolutely. and pastime for people. There's a lot of people doing it, but, uh, it's also a tough market right now because of everything going the way it is. It's typically cutthroat to even get bids in on the stuff that is good flip. So Finding. again, if you're interested, we can help you find them. We can definitely walk you through the process, but hopefully that gives you a little insight. And for our later podcast, we will definitely jump deeper into the investor side of things and talk about not only the flips, but even the buy and holds, uh, different strategies as far as what to look for, as far as profits go on single families, multifamilies, uh, all of that good stuff as well. So that's it. That was our Real Estate 360 for today, and we will be signing off now. So again, I am Jared Davis. I'm Galen Parker, putting the real in Realtor. If if they want to call you Galen and they don't have the information, they're driving down the road and they're listening to the podcast and they're not on the main page, how do they reach you? Uh, you can call me 
to 749016. And what's your email? That's Galen, G-A-L-E-N, at centralvarealty.com. That's right. My number is 804-536-6100. I am Jared at centralvarealty.com. We'd love to hear what you think about the podcast. So whether you're seeing it on Facebook right this second. 2.0. That's right. If you want to comment up on it. Uh, if you want to shoot us an email, let us know what do you want to hear about? What restaurants can we review? What real estate topics do you want to hear about? What neighborhoods do you want to know about? Let us know what you like. Let us know what you hate. Let us know if you want to see Galen and more raccoons, and we'll make that happen. I'm killing the raccoon game right now, but not actually killing it. <laughs> I, I've sent more raccoons to Beaver Dam to retire than any person I know. I, I, they should have a placard with my name on it somewhere. That's it. Follow us on social media. I am underscore underscore the Davis Group. Galen, what are you? Uh, depending what you're looking at, Galen Parker Real Estate, or you can just you can search Galen Parker. There are not a lot of Galen Parkers out there right now. That's that's good. I'm Jared Davis, so obviously that's my, not my username because there's a million of us. So <laughs> that's it. That is us. We're signing off. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. I love you, RBA. If you have a real estate question you would like to ask Jared or Galen, reach out to them at jared at centralvarealty.com or galen at centralvarealty.com. Who knows? It may even be featured on an upcoming episode.